Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I'm No Expert, a craft beer podcast. I'm Chris Laudenslager on location again this week. If you listened to last week, we were at Broadable Brew Pub. This week, we're up in my neck of the woods, kind of, north side, Nora. Nora. I'm here with Eddie Sam. Hello. Uh, we're at Big Lug Canteen. That is right. Not Cantina, Canteen. Not Cantina. Is that a distinct difference there? People or? can't read. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Why Big Lug Canteen? Why not Big Lug, just Big Lug, or Big Lug Bar, or Big it Lug was, Place? It was a long time in the making. We, so Scott and I met a long time ago, and one thing I had said to him was, I love breweries, I love beers, but I don't want to just own a brew pub. I want to own a place that I can control everything on. Mm-hmm. And for me, that meant that if I put any type of connotation in someone's head, then I was doing the wrong thing. So canteen was just a word to me that was ambiguous, but at the same time meant something different to everybody. Like, it wasn't ambiguous in the fact that no one knew what it meant. It was ambiguous in the fact that everyone had a different relationship with the word. So canteen just kind of fit, I guess. So you guys opened, let's see, we're recording this on the 22nd. Mm -hmm. So you guys opened... The 12th. 12th. So last Monday. And we're basically in the heart of Nora, I guess. Yeah, I mean, really, if you you took the outlying parts of Nora, we're basically in the middle of Nora. How many square feet is Big Lug, approximately? Do you know? If you count just the outside square, don't say what's upstairs, what's downstairs... You're looking at like 3,900 square feet. When you take the upstairs and the patio involved, you look at like 5,800 square feet. So, patio adds a lot. Why Nora? You know, that's the question everyone's been asking. And I guess it's a valid question, but at the same time, why did people choose Fountain Square? Right. Why did people choose downtown? Why did people choose Broderpool? I, you know, we're from here. I'd be lying if I said I was I, I would be nervous to open up in Fountain Square. I, you know, I'd be nervous to open up downtown. I don't know them very well. I don't know the people very well. They're all they all seem very nice. Uh, the businesses are great, but I don't know it very well. Yeah. And so, this venture to me was I wanted to open up a neighborhood bar, and a neighborhood bar was my neighborhood. So Scott and I have lived on the north side. I had a bunch of North Central friends. I had a bunch of caramel friends. Um, you know, it just was the... To me, it felt like the right area. I wanted to be in an old establishment, an old restaurant, and the Snooty Fox was the oldest restaurant, you know. It had been open for 30 years, and before that, Henry VIII's has been open for a long time. It was mm-hmm. a college, can't, you know, butler bar. So it just... It, it made sense when the opportunity was coming around. I had been thinking about this for two or three years, and so when it finally opened up, it was like, okay, you know, it, it made too much sense to not, to not run with it. It kind of all fell in line. So, Big Lug is not the only place that's physically here. No. Right, so we're right next to Rockstone. Exactly, yeah. Which is a, a, another one of our my family's restaurants. Is This is the third Rockstone? Or? Third Rockstone. So, uh, opened up one in 2013, I want to say. And then we opened up another one uh, earlier this year which I helped oversee downtown, the construction of everything and all that. 
and then this one just opened tonight actually so well happy grand opening thank you yeah <laughs> i mean how has the opening been i mean how has the reception for both big lug and i mean rockstone it's maybe early yeah. to say because it's day one but I yeah mean, you know, we didn't do a lot of marketing, you know, other than me being stupid on Facebook and Twitter and whatever. Um, we didn't really feel like we needed to do a lot of marketing. It was way more about being a neighborhood bar and talking to local people and businesses and whatever. And so as we went, as we went along, we were really shocked at how many people actually were, like, looking forward to it and expecting it to open. Mm-hmm. We were like, how do we know you again? <laughs> and uh, I think people were just excited that their neighborhoods had something new. Yeah. And that was the goal. I think it's always the goal when you're opening up a place like this. It feels good for me. It feels good for them. It's a win-win. So, you know, it was really good. It was positive. I mean, the grand opening was a hit. We've been busy every night. Lunches have been slower, but that's to be expected. I I think people are still shocked that we have a full menu all day, every day, Mm -hmm. that it's lunch-driven. So it's been really good. It's just it was one of those things where we're going to push it a lot harder as we go along. We're just not there yet. Yeah. How does, because I know Big Lug specifically is 21 plus, because mm-hmm. I saw this, the sign that had that to be put on, to, put, put on the door the other <laughs> day. where people have found that out as they like, walked oops. in, yes. Um, and, and Rockstone is? Family friendly. Fam- everybody. They right. have a bar, but they also have a family friendly area. How are you guys going to like work back and forth together? How, you know, what's, what's that kind of dichotomy between Rockstone and Big Lug? Because you're literally attached both inside yeah. and outside. I was told this wasn't professional, and you're using big words. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting, you know, and, and a lot of people have asked, are we connected? You know, is there a door? Is there a pathway? And there's not. Legally, we can't. Mm-hmm. We want to work with each other as much as we can. You know, we'll serve all eight of our beers over there. So if you came to Big Lug with a couple kids, and you're disappointed to see that we were 21 and over, you could go next door and get all of our beers. We were definitely interested in having something that was 21 and over. And it was a bar, you know, a nice bar, not just a dive bar. And, and, and I own somewhat of a dive bar. <laughs> I, you know, Sam's Place isn't a dive bar. I keep it very clean, and I, I try very hard. I mean, I really do. But it tends to be a little divier. You know, it's older. Mm-hmm. But we wanted a really nice bar that you don't see a lot of in Indianapolis. You're starting to see them downtown. You're starting to see people like, you know, Josh Gonzalez has done a great job. Ed, and, 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 you know, Ed Ruddisol kind of spearheaded that. Neil Brown has done, you know, nice work. And I don't know those guys personally, but it's fun to have people like that in your city who are kind of leading a charge. Um, and so we thought, well, this side kind of needs something like that. Yeah. So with Rockstone and us, we won't serve their food. They won't serve our food. Um, but at the same time, beer-wise, we'll still be very will still be conscious of what each other's doing yeah so. i mean i i i'd love I, I live up here as well so i love having this kind of place go in up here and you say you said nice bar but not like expensive bar. yeah you don't have to dress up <laughs> <laughs> well you know like, down I the streets roots chris right? right and if you want a fancy place go up there absolutely i would encourage you to because they have good bartenders who know what they're doing but that didn't mean that we couldn't make nice drinks, and it doesn't mean that we can't make nice food. It's just different, you know. And, and, and you're right; you can come in here after being at the Y. You know, you can come in here after being on the Monon, but you can also come in here with your wife or your husband or your family. What you know, no kids, but you know, in-laws are in town. You could still come in and have a nicer night. Um, that was the goal, and now yeah. again, that goes back to the canteen thing, which was 
we didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves. We wanted this to be a place where it could just be anything, and, and, and we got to control that vibe. And so uh, it just played into it. Talk to me about the Monon. I mean, we're... You walk out the back door, picnic tables. Yeah. We are Monon legally right 15 feet off of the Monon. Okay. That was that, was that like specific <laughs> yes. by the it city? It is built like... to the very closest we could be before the parks department was upset with us. Um, and, you know, and, and, and that makes it sound like they were bad. They weren't. They, everyone we worked with was great people, and they were happy about us being here. Um, very supportive of us. Everyone was very supportive. So it was great. Um, but the Monon, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's there's a lot of people on the Monon. Is there, I mean, 15 feet, is there any other regulation that you have to have to be on the Monon because it's technically Indianapolis Parks Department regulated? Or No, not really. You know, Nora, we had to get approval from the Nora Community Council. Um, we have to build a fence outside because we have a concession stand that's technically a bar. Okay. We'll serve beer outside. Um, we call it a beer garden. They call it a bar. Um, so with that, we have to have a fence. Um, so we have to put up a fence that's right off the Monon. We had to get a variance for the fence. It will be a very lovely fence, okay. but we needed to get a variance to put it up. So that was another thing. Um, but all in all, really no other problems. It's pretty easy. So regulation. Mm-hmm. In regulation. Indiana, specifically. Love I mean, I, I, saw, I saw a tweet from Big Lug Account. I think it was like the first Sunday, and he was like, it was like so, you know, so excited to finally be able to serve, you know, to be able to have people serve beer and take out beer on a Sunday. I mean, mm-hmm. you can do growlers here. We can, yeah. I mean, how how is that process gone? I mean, how are, is it? I, I was having a conversation with someone a couple days ago who lives in Denver, very good friends of mine from college, and they love it, and they love skiing, and they love mountain biking, and they love being cooler than I am. And, you know, in, in general, what I told them, I was like, you know, part of the reason that I love Indiana is because I always have something to fight against, mm-hmm. you know? And anyone who tells me, like, well, there's nothing in Indiana, and i gotta, I got to get out of here, it's like, well, I get it. I understand those reasons. But, you know, one of the reasons I love Indiana is because I kind of feel like I can put my fingerprints on it. You know, I can kind of mold it a little bit, and some of those laws give you more reason to fight it, you yeah. know, to, to do it, to be involved. So... For every bad thing I can say about it, at the same time, it's it's 80% of the reason why I do it. You know, I feel like they should change. It's it's old. It's outdated. I, I wish I could say I get it, but I don't. Um, maybe at one time it made sense. But the right people are pushing for, new, for changes, for good changes. They have more and more support and evidence why it's a good change. I'm happy to be able to sell beer on Sundays. Don't get me wrong. I mean, now I'm part of the guys who are like, oh, yeah, it's cool, cool, oh, I'll make money on it. But, like, you know, at the same time, I get why it needs to go. So we – it was easy. I mean, people act like it's really hard to open up a brewery. It's not really hard to open up a brewery. It just costs a lot of money, and it's then you got to make all your money back. Yeah. You know, that's the hard part. Opening it really is just – it's homework. So if you don't like homework, then don't open up a brewery, you know. If you don't want to talk to lawyers, if you don't want to fill out paperwork, then don't open up a brewery. I hate homework, so I can yeah, never I, open up a brewery then. Which apparently. is why I hired a guy who loves homework <laughs> and loves, you know, he, he made that a lot easier on me. Um, tell me about the brewery, tell me about the beers. I mean, we've got eight consistently, all precursor, pre-question to the, to the main question. Sure. Eight beers that are only big lug beers. Only big lug what beers. Was the, what was the thought process behind that decision? Or was there any? Or was there it, was. You know? No, no. 
the one thing you will understand, that you'll come to find to me if you become a regular here, is there's not a lot I don't think about. Sometimes to an extent that pisses off everybody because I overthink it, uh, and then I don't end up doing it because I'm too worried about it. And but I mean, you're here, you're sitting here. I don't let a lot of you know corners go untouched. I I, I make sure every detail is looked upon and followed through with. Um, so yes, eight beers, all ours. Always will be ours. We will not carry other people's beers. Uh, not because I don't love other brewers. Not because I don't think people in Indianapolis aren't talented. They are extremely talented, most more so than I am. But back to the canteen thing again. We wanted to be different. And we wanted to do something that we got to control. We're, we've only been open two weeks. You know, I want to be open for 20 years. And what happens to this brand and what we're doing, I want to be in charge of. And I, I want it to be as weird and unique as I can possibly make it in all the right ways, you know. And, and if it's wrong, I want to be in charge of making it right again. So that was to me where I didn't want other people's brands in here. And I didn't – the things they've worked their asses off to make right. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. Uh, the things that they've tried really hard to make into what they wanted. That's the that's a representation of themselves. This is the representation of Scott and myself. So, you know, that was the thinking behind it was, well, when you come into Big Lug Canteen, you're going to be at Big Lug Canteen. You are going to get our experience. You're going to eat our food, which we make all in-house, our own bread, you know, brine all of our own, you know, meats, buy all of our meat locally, all of our produce locally, all that stuff. You're going to drink our beer, which we buy the top-notch ingredients from, spend all of our time and, you know, efforts into making the best quality beers we can and serving them at the the peak of their, you know, deliciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to do all that stuff. So to us, if we were going to control our brand, it meant everything we did had to be ours. Um, so with that being said, eight beers. You've tried them. I, I think I've ha- I've had almost everything. What do you list. think? So that's more important. Yeah, because I'm going to bullshit you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm no expert at it, and I had an interesting discussion uh, last week um, with Jonathan Jonathan Mullins from Broadway Brew Pub. Good brewer. Um, just about kind of talking about you know how we discuss good beers versus bad beers, and and I am just definitely admitted that I am not at the point where, in my knowledge of how brewing works, all the different beer styles, all of it and everything, I've had a lot of beer. Yeah. I've had a lot of beer on this show, and I have not found a beer that I don't like on the list so far. Yeah. Thank um, you. I definitely lean towards one style to another. I like... So far, I like the pilgrimage. Sure. This is the V1. We, we can probably get into that in a little bit because I like yeah. the idea behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Kolsch. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's a good one. It's clean. I, I, I love all the Kolsches in yeah. the world. They're my favorites. <laughs> almost almost my favorite style. Yeah. Almost my favorite style. Um, and the porter. Or not, sorry, it's the stout. Stout, right. Stout. Right. Um, there is a porter coming out, but ooh, yeah, the stout. Okay, interested. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's... They all feel... What's kind of cool is... They all sort of feel very, very distinct and different, but they mm-hmm. all kind of, I don't, it's, it's hard to describe. They all kind of seem to be like, I don't want to say it too soon, it's like signature big lug. Mm-hmm. Like this feels like the place yeah. that we are. We wanted to put beers forward that we were confident in and that we felt described us the best way. My thoughts on the beers, they're excellent. 
Um, but that's not to say that we're doing stuff that other people aren't doing. We are, we're doing the stuff that everyone else who's brewing good beer is doing. You know, we bought really good equipment. We bought really good ingredients. Um, I trusted my brewer to do the things he knew really well. I didn't try to get in his way. I didn't try to tell him to make things for customers. Um, we didn't spare expenses where expenses, or you know, we, we we just we didn't want to cut corners where you shouldn't cut corners. Um, we've been in the food business long enough to know what happens when you do that type of stuff. So the beers are a reflection of that goal, uh, those efforts. And, you know, they taste, the, they taste right. You know, it's not to say they taste different. There's brewers around the city who are making unbelievable things, you know. Uh, beer Brewery Special K. I mean, you know. Yeah. That's, you know, people, everyone's trying to make cultures that taste like that. Um, you know, uh, uh, Oaken Barrel Superfly. Everyone wants to make an IPA that tastes like that. You know, it, to me, it's like those, they did it the right way. Um, you know, I, Scott's, I've met all these people from Scott, and the one thing I kind of find in common is the people brewing the best beers are the people who, who just care the most about doing it the right way. Not being different, not, not doing something that no one else is doing, just doing it the right way um you know and then you find yourself along the process so yeah i'm, I'm happy with i'm happy with where the beers are yeah. i mean i can honestly say that i can honestly say i'm happy with where, where the beers are at it came along the right way they pair up really nicely with my food um i'm finding out things all the time about what it means to own your own brew pub and <laughs> looking at untapped and be like oh uh, we don't have to go into untapped that's but little, it is what it is a, yeah. you know it's it, it's it's fun mm-hmm. um it's fun. So four beers always on. Four beers rotating seasonally, rotating whenever they go away. Yeah, or... so three house beers, Quintana, a big Lebowski reference, Christopherson, a Snooty Fox reference, mm-hmm. Fantastic Mr. Fox, Snooty Fox reference. Um, we have King's Jive, Scott's Baby, which is a uh, uh, English brown. Uh, Henry VIII's was here before Snooty Fox, so kind of another reference. Okay. The William Taft Presidential Ale, we call it the WTPA. That's our rotating IPA, which we okay. do a democratically elected process. We let people vote on it. So we'll always have an IPA on. It just won't always be the same. So, for instance, this week, or this IPA is going to blow probably by Friday. Uh, and our other IPA is in the fermenter. It's just about to be done brewing tomorrow. So when it blows, the uh, the goal is that it doesn't blow tomorrow. It blows Saturday. So <laughs> okay. it's like, ready? Um, but... The, we'll have we have a, a session American IPA with uh, Mosaic hops, okay, uh, and some Nelson Sauvin. So, you know, they they elected that. They had four choices. They picked that one. Someone picked the name, and they won uh, um, dinner for four. That's yeah. kind of the goal for it. Every time it changes, and then the other four rotate it, it, seasonally, whatever we freaking feel like. You know, and that's the best part about owning your own brewery is that I used to ask, how do people come up with names? And now it's like, because it's awesome. Yeah. And I name <laughs> things is so cool. <laughs> you know, it seriously is. I love it. So, you know, the other four will change. You know, Scott's going to brew beers, and then uh, we'll come up with some, you know, names. And, yeah. Tell me about Pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. Double IPA. It started in September of last year, and we needed to buy hops. We knew that. We wanted to buy good hops, but contracts were tough to come by. So I'm on Twitter. I'm pretty active in the social media world. And uh, Hill Farmstead tweeted out about having some extra supply. 
So I was like, two seconds later, hey, Jim, my name's Eddie. I'm opening up a brew pub. I'd love to buy some hops from you guys. What's the deal? And he just direct messaged me back. And from there, it was like a week later, we were talking about going out to Vermont to buy hops. Now, if you know about brewing, which I imagine if you're listening to the show, you have a passion for, um, buying hops from Hill Farmstead does not make our beers taste like Hill Farmstead beers. So that was never the goal. The goal was to say we wanted to have a beer that every year for our anniversary, we didn't brew the same beer. We actually just took a trip somewhere to buy something that we wanted to use in a beer. So in this case, hops. And when we were there, when we were at this pinnacle point, whatever it might be, in this case, we were sitting on the mountainside at Jim's house, uh, Jim Raros, great guy. I highly recommend anyone going to Hill Farmstead if you're in Vermont. Um, we were at Jim's house on his uh, mountain, little mountainside thing. There could have been more than 20 people living within two miles of him. And the hills were on fire. I mean, like, the leaves were changing, and it was just like nothing you'd ever seen before. And we're sitting there drinking this Hill, uh, Hill Farmstead Saison. Tasting unbelievable, like no other beers taste, because just, they're just so unique. And we were like, that's it. What would we drink right now? What would we brew in this moment? And that was what we tried to do. So, you know, next year we might go to Michigan and buy cherries, or we go to, uh, you know, Florida uh, and get beechwood, or we go to Texas and, and you know, Nebraska and get corn, or who, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be hops, might be barley, might be fruits. But the point is, wherever we go on that anniversary trip is we brew that beer, and that would be pilgrimage to Michigan. Okay. You know? So now you have pilgrimage one Vermont. Very cool. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a different. T- that was our take of an anniversary beer. You know, like what, what, what could an anniversary beer be that's different than just doing a huge high gravity and, you know, which is cool. I, I dig that. Yeah. But this was our way of doing something a little bit different. So this, so it will, will pilgrimage one stay on tap for how long until know? it blows? And, until it blows, and then and then it's it's gone until next year. You will when... never taste it again. Just, just into the ether. Like you're not, you're not going to save any. We'll probably gonna... save, probably like ten six barrels of it, and then feature it a few times. So we might take it to Winterfest. We might take it. We might submit it to you know GABF or Indiana Brewers Cup or something. Who knows? If we're that proud of it, um, we have bourbon barrels coming. We have gin barrels coming. We have Cabernet barrels coming. Um, we have all types of stuff that we want to work with, and we we have enough relationships with these people over the years that they're happy to work with us, so it's great. Um, and who knows? We might throw it in there. But, yeah, the goal is to say over the next four or five years we have we can feature four or five pilgrimages on the anniversary and make it kind of a fun little thing for our regular patrons. Right. Um, food. Food. Talk to me about the food. What's the it, style? What's the inspiration? You know, it, we're talking all about beer, and your show's about beer, and, and I love it, but, but that's what I do. And our goal here was to have something where people spoke as highly of the food as they did the beers, as they did the atmosphere. You know, we wanted it to all mean something, as the, the spirits, the wine. We wanted everything to have a point uh, in its own little story and its own unique vibe to it. So the food's bar food. I mean, I'm not reinventing the wheel and I'm not some chef who's out here doing things that people are going to be mimicking in a long time. Yeah, you know, I just I have a pretty good palate, you know. I like good foods. I like all foods. 
Uh, I've learned how to distinguish what makes something good and bad, and uh, I think I did a decent job. <laughs> uh, but it's it's just kind of bar food taken to, you know, we want to make it in-house. We want to prep as much as we can, fresh every day. We want to buy as much locally as we can every day. We're not going to sit here and act like we buy everything within 20 miles because, you know, if you're acting like you buy fresh seasonal tomatoes in the middle of December, well, you're, you're just being an asshole. Yeah. I mean, like, you're lying. Yeah. Um, so... You know, we're trying to do the best that we can with the space we have. And I think people are excited. You know, it's spicier. It's a little bit more, um, you know, it's it's driven around spicy flavors, pungent flavors. Um, you know, there's some flavors that we tried to play with bitter a little bit. Um, you know, it's a, a mesh with beer. Um, we do specials every week. You know, this week we have ceviche tacos. Uh, we made a white pepper chicken uh, poutine. We'll always have poutine on special. So, you know, it's it's different. But it, it's the same way as the, the beer goes. It's unique. So everything's brewed. I, mean, I can turn around and, like, see. Yeah, right there. It's, it's <laughs> like, like oh, right there, right yeah. there. So everything's done physically. That's everything I'm worth right behind you. <laughs> so physically everything is here. Physically everything is right here. Ovens. Fermenters, brew house, bar, everything. When do, when does the actual brewing take place? Like what? I mean, what time is it? Is it uh, at midnight you know, or is it like in the mornings or is it doesn't matter? Usually like? morning. But Scott was brewing yesterday in the afternoon. Um, it just kind of depends. You know, we we made this brewery. Some of these guys are opening up breweries where like you can see everything happening. Like yeah. you're right there and it's open. We didn't want to do that. You know, I wanted Scott to be able to work whenever he wanted to work, and he wanted that. So he can work whenever he wants, and it's soundproofed. Um, it's locked. <laughs> uh, You'll have somebody just walk in yeah, randomly with like, oh, is this yeah, not the bathroom? Cleaning like, with a bunch of like acid and chemicals. Yeah, exactly. So it's locked. Um, he can brew any time, but he, he generally brews in the morning. I mean, you know, you come in, get some coffee, you start, here we go. I mean, I don't know very many brewers who don't brew in the morning. Not to say that that's like the right thing to do, but... I just think that most people would like to get off at a reasonable time. Yeah. So, morning time usually. Hmm. That, that's like has exhausted all of my questions in my brain. That's kind of a. Yeah, I, I have a question for you. <laughs> okay. Just to, to steamroll. What What made you start doing this? Oh, the show. Yeah. Um, the show has been around for quite a long time. Uh, I originally started. I used to live in West Lafayette. And so did I. I went to Purdue. I did too. There you go. Boiler yeah. up. <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine, uh, he was living up there. We went to high school together, never really knew each other. He went to Vanderbilt, then moved up to West Lafayette because of his girlfriend there. And we had the same schedules. We would get off at the same time off of work. So we kind of sort of would go uh, over to a place up in West Lafayette called The Pint. Sure, yeah. Which is a very very stripped down space I don't know if it still is I haven't been there for a while but it's very just it's table chairs and taps yeah. you know they had uh, 20 plus taps they always had a sour tap they had ni- you know dedicated nitro taps so something like that in West Lafayette was great because yeah. you could go up and then he sort of got me into the whole thing of craft beer and drinking and talking about it and mm-hmm. um we would sit there for, you know, a few couple hours and just, you know, whatever came to mind, whatever we started to talk about, whether it was 
current events was whether it was about the actual beer was you know we were both huge nerds so we talked about you know science and technology and whatever and you know I sat down one day and I was doing radio at the time up there in West Lafayette and then I sort of decided hey let's do a podcast and sit down every week and talk about beer specifically but as well as talk about the people behind beer as well as talk to other people about it you know kind of gauge the whole idea it was like my kind of learning process of learning about brewing beer learning about craft beer learning about the styles learning about where it came from the histories you know learning about breweries and learning about you know all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um you know that's kind of where it went through and and we did it for a little while um unfortunately he had um uh, an accident while he was on a work trip he uh passed away so we kind of took a break and then i kind of brought the show back in a different format you know it wasn't us two every week i kind of started rotating my friends in and educating them because now i get all the texts like you know friday night hey chris i'm at this bar they snap a picture of the beer list and they're like what do i want and i'm like uh <laughs> you're that guy uh, now. okay well this one would probably be good you definitely won't like that and that one you you probably will possibly like that one you yeah. can try this one but you know it's you know that kind of stuff sure. so it's the show is always moving in a different direction. You know, I'm coming here now, and it's not in the studio, and so that's... It's fun. I'm no expert. Well, it. you know, <laughs> what what you're saying is so cool because it's what beer and food's about. It's what humanity's about, not to get too deep. No, but, it's okay. you know, seriously, though, people who get beer geeky on things, it's not, I don't want to say they drive me crazy. They drive me really, really crazy. Because it's like that's not the point, mm-hmm. you know. The, the point of the point of drinking beer isn't to get so overcritical about the beers that you can't even enjoy yourself. The point of drinking beers and enjoying wine and eating delicious food is to enjoy the people that you're with. You know, it's like that's the goal. My goal isn't to sit there and have you sit at my table and applaud me. You know, I don't want that. I'm terrible at having people do that. I like if you do that to me, I'm I'm probably gonna get like mad. Like. I'm terrible, like at getting gifts. I got, you know, in a nutshell, <laughs> right. I'm just horrible at it. But like, that's fun. It's fun to hear that type of vibe, which isn't let's sit down and talk about why we hate beers, why we love beers. Let's just sit down and talk. And some of it will be about, oh man, this thing's really good. Yeah. But that just is another layer to the, you know, to the, the conversation. You know, great food is is so unique because it makes you feel like a different way. You know, like the best meals I've ever had. Um, you know, and, and locally, as of as of late, you know, Milk Tooth yep. um, has been great. Bluebeard has been great. Oakley's Bistro is always great. But you know, th- those few times you have those meals where it like evokes all those emotions, it's fun because like that's not some you don't feel like that every day. You know, you don't feel like this like new but also comforting sense and like it's fun to talk in that moment you know like if you talk to me the opening day of this restaurant you'd never seen me more excited you know you don't get to talk to that Eddie Sam every day yeah you know most days you're talking to pissed off Eddie Sam <laughs> who's tired of doing payroll who doesn't want to clean anything you know like you know that's yep. Eddie Sam you're usually talking to but so it's fun sometimes and I think when you have really delicious beer you have really delicious food to to actually savor those moments and not just say Oh, this beer sucks, and that ruined the whole night. You know, so it's cool. I, I didn't honestly, I didn't, I didn't know. It's kind of fun yeah. to learn. And, and uh, another, a different question. Indianapolis in general. I mean, I've, I was, I'm not an Indianapolis native. One, uh, it has been the one place that I've lived the longest, mm-hmm. uh, technically. With places like Milk Tooth, 
places like Big Lug, places like, um, I mean, Ralston's has been around forever, but it's just one that comes to mind. Yeah. Like the you know, the restaurant scene in Indy is really really changing. Yeah, I, mean, I think the right people are involved. I mean, where do you think it's going? I don't know. You know, I love Chicago. Chicago is my favorite city in the world, and I and I, I wanted that to be said with a grain of salt because I live in Indianapolis, and I would and I honestly don't think I would ever leave Indianapolis because I love it. I love my friends. I love my family. You know, I love I love how passionate people get. Um, you know, and I also love the fact that I can I can mold it, like we said earlier. Do I think it's growing? I mean, I, do I think it's going better places? I do. But then at the same time, you know, I get hesitant about it because the only thing I worry about is that the people who live here are too quick to be critical and too quick to say that something's going to fail. And it's like, you got to at least give it a chance. Yeah. You got to at least let people see ideas through. Because if you can't do that, then you're never going to let something develop into something that's truly unique, truly culture changing and impactful you know i love chicago because chicago has so many people that when you want to try something different it gives you a little bit more leeway now it's more expensive but it gives you more leeway to do so because there's so many people that are there to give you a chance in indianapolis if you strike out man it's hard to get back up to bat yeah you know it, it really is so we've been in the restaurant business forever we've owned psalms for going on 30 years and I, I got really lucky to be born into this family and also love what I do, to truly love what I do and not just, oh, I do it because I'm, you know, my dad owns restaurants. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you know, I truly love what I do, and, and, I would, and I like to think that I would do it even if he wasn't in restaurants. So I got really lucky in that sense. But, like, I, I, I'm fearful just solely because there are so many talented people that if we want to keep them around and keep them thinking and expanding and trying new things, then people have to be, embrace it. They just have to understand that being overcritical of everything because it's different is just not a very fun way to live. You know, it's just not very fun. Yeah. And in and, and the, the culinary scene, food, hospitality, it the, it's based on things being fun. You know. Right. So that's my that's my biggest concern. I don't want to sit here and sound like I'm hating on it. I'm not. I, I mean, people like John Brooks and Carlos Salazar, and you know, these guys, they're doing awesome things. I mean. Things that cooking foods I can't cook, thinking ways that I don't think, uh, and, and making our scene a better scene. Not because they're trying to gain fame, but because like it's what they love doing. That's that's awesome, right? Yeah. But when we start to cut that supply off, that's when I get worried. That's like you know, other cities embrace that. Um, other cities like to get weird, you know. And, and so I just want. Sometimes I just want Indianapolis. I mean, you know, we look to my left, your right. I have a freaking flying corn dog on the wall. Yeah. And there's, and there's a, a Cupid Scott shooting arrows and a UFO sucking up a hoagie, you know? I like to think that people don't come in here and say, oh, that place is going to fail because that's just stupid. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, like, then try something else. Go so- go somewhere else. Think about something else. Go to a different part of the room, you know? Like, I'd like to think that Indianapolis is going to get better, and I, mm-hmm. and I do. Uh, but if we're going to keep talent, we have got to all make the understanding that just because a place is new and different doesn't mean it's going to fail eventually. It just needs some support and some love and some real feedback, not just Yelp feedback, yeah. not just 
Twitter and Facebook feedback. They need you to go talk to them. They need you to tell them how much they love it, how much you hate it, how much you want something to change. They need to know that stuff. And sometimes we just get so passe about everything. Yeah. I, th- I think that Indianapolis in general, what it feels like to me compared to like going to other cities and like talking to other people about it, it feels a little too, like one, like portioned off, and two, a little too like clinical is the that, word that I like to use. With That's a good word. It's, it's like, oh, I don't want to try any new steakhouse because it's not Sullivan's or it's Absolutely. not Chris or something We like keep talking like we're something. chains and everyone bashes that we have so many chains. But then I see independent, re- I go to an independent restaurant, a local restaurant, and they're not busy. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, okay, but go tell your friends to go there. You know, go, go, go push it as much as you can. Go help. Now, that's not to say that restaurants don't need to do good things. You need to do the right things. We need to... You need to care. You need to clean. You need to put, you know, good tasting things out. You have to have be passionate and fun and have fun employees. You have to do that. But then when people do that stuff, you need to support it as much as you can, and not just restaurants. I mean, I'm just talking about anything retail. Uh, you know, if if someone's trying to open up a, a, a local law firm, you know, whatever yeah. it would be, right? I mean, it takes a leap of faith. But like, if you can, if we can get everyone in, and you know, as many people in Indianapolis who are passionate about it to really start acting on it, yeah, I think it'll be good. And people are starting; it's getting there. Yeah, people, like definitely. people like you are, are taking, uh, uh, you know, a passion and a hobby and, and trying to turn stuff into a more, uh, uh, you know, lucrative is always a nice word to use, but at least something that it, it, there's more to it, and you're getting people on your team, and uh, you're driving a there's a bigger purpose to what you're doing you know and that's that's fun that's the bigger you know i don't want to tell you what big lug is all the way because this isn't all i want to do this is there's more to come from big lug that i always wanted to be like i just want to gain your trust i just want you to trust me and so when i do something that you're like i'm gonna go because it's if he's doing it then it's gonna be good and that's my ultimate goal is just be able to do whatever i want because i put all my effort into everything and if i if you just trust me and go for the ride it'll be a good time so big lug canteen, a teaser, a teaser trailer, right? Uh-huh. A teaser to, trailer to something. You don't uh, say. You don't have to say. You know what the plans are, but I uh, mean it's album themed beers. Okay. Okay. There you go. Uh, you heard it here first on yeah. I'm No Expert. Album themed beers. I can't say any more about it. Okay. It's too, it's too big. It's a million dollar idea. Okay. Copyright trademarks. <laughs> exactly Eddie, Eddie thanks so much for uh, taking the time coming on the show this week uh, Big Lug Canteen is in Nora 86th and Westfield Westfield behind the Jimmy John's and the Taco Bell one of our taglines is it's not Taco Bell but it is behind one behind the, right behind the Taco Bell <laughs> um, BigLugCanteen.com BigLugCanteen.com Facebook.com uh, slash Big Lug Canteen. Okay. Twitter, Big Lug Canteen. Got it. Uh, it's real stupid. I basically just make stuff up, make That's up right. random quotes. That's all right. That no one ever actually said. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, and you can support this show at uh, Twitter.com slash No Expert Show, Facebook.com slash No Expert Show, as well as our Patreon. Get extra bonus content. Keep the show ad-free. Patreon.com slash noexpertshow. And noexpertshow.com. 
There's a website you can go to and subscribe to it. It's a cool website, it's and I'm going to subscribe tonight. Right tonight. There's another subscriber. Uh, hello to my North Korean subscriber. I know you're out there. It's <laughs> for real. That's a real it's thing. It's a real thing. I don't know how. I think there's only one person in North Korea who has the internet. Uh, well, there's Which is a scary fact they, for you. They've downloaded my show, so <laughs> not really sure what's yeah. going on. Eddie, thanks again for coming on the show hey, this man, week. I appreciate it. It was fun. And uh, thanks so much for you to listen and download the show, and I will see you next week. I still want you hurricanes and flies I still want you even more than I did before And when your mind's made up I'm gonna bring it down And when you got no time You're gonna see